0: It's early spring and I'm stood at the top of a hill in the Iberian Highlands rewilding landscape. We've walked a short distance through impressive stands of black pine and Spanish juniper. There's a satisfying crunch underfoot from the carpet of fallen oak leaves. The only sound interrupting the intricate chorus of birdsong enveloping us at this particular vantage point, which is encircled by even higher hills with even more trees. The bird call I'm most interested in though is this. It might not sound like much, but these are the cries of a cinereous vulture, also known as the Eurasian black vulture. This is one of seven birds acclimatising back to the wild in a bespoke enclosure just a few metres in front of me. The birds can't see me, and I can only get a glimpse of their wingtips at the top of the aviary as they flap their gigantic wings. And in two months' time, the doors will open and they'll be released into this phenomenal landscape to soar and scavenge and do as vultures do once again. I'm James Shooter, host of the Rewild podcast, and this is Iberian Highlands. Spain is big, at over half a million square kilometres, it's the fourth largest country in Europe. Its landscapes are diverse, and as I've been working my way down the eastern flank, I've stopped at various wetlands along the way. At the Ebro delta, I was so excited to see an osprey soaring over the reeds, travelling north on their way back from the Gambia or Senegal. These could be the same birds that my friends back in Scotland will be looking at in a few weeks' time. That blows my mind. Although, not to brag, but there's the added bonus of bright blue skies and warming sunshine in my view. I'm meeting the team from Rewilding Spain in the charming town of Molina de Aragon. Red-billed chuff are performing their aerial acrobatics above the towers of a 10th century castle on the hill above me. And alarmingly, griffin vultures seem to be following me wherever I go. I know I'm a pasty Brit, but I hope I don't look that ill. I jump in the back of a truck with Pablo Shapira, Team leader for Rewilding Spain. We wind our way through a maze of forest tracks up to the acclimatisation enclosure. Here, the Cinerus vultures have been recovering from various injuries and are getting ready to be released back into the wild. We go through a security gate led by a man only known as Kempes. It's a nickname for his resemblance to 1980s Argentinian footballer Mario Kempes. He has long hair, wears a trilby, and lights his cigarette from a pack of Lucky Strike. The team offer to find out his real name for me, but I like the mystery bit all.
1: It's
0: Kempes' job to look after the vultures. He checks on them, keeps their water topped up, and feeds them scraps of meat. He's totally responsible for their lives, but the vultures will never see his face. It's imperative the birds don't become desensitised to human presence. And start associating them with food or else their second chance at a wildlife may fail. The cage is backed by wood to act as a visual barrier and he feeds them through a small hatch. On the other three sides the vultures are looking out onto an enticing new home of pine forest and open skies. This is prime vulture real estate. Pablo and his team have been putting up artificial nesting platforms in the distance A small human intervention to encourage the recolonisation of the species and a return to wilder skies. A number of life-size models already sitting in the nests demonstrate to the soon-to-be-released birds that it's safe to nest in the area. After enjoying a few minutes in the presence of these incredible animals, we retreat back down the hill to a quiet spot amongst the trees. Pablo has been working for African Parks over the last 12 years, a non-profit conservation organisation managing protected areas across the continent, spending time in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ethiopia and Mozambique. But then I
1: I thought that, yeah, I I had in my mind always, okay, I would like to go back to Spain and do conservation in Spain and do rewilding in Spain. And that opportunity came up with the rewilding in Spain, uh, with this uh, new initiative for rewilding in Europe. And uh, when we saw it, it was exciting. It was exciting to see an initiative with this ambitious long-term project, which I never seen before
0: in Spain. Iberian Highlands is rewilding Europe's 10th rewilding landscape, 850,000 hectares of some of Spain's best wild spaces.
1: And that is uh, uh, two different regions in Spain, is castilla Mancha and uh, is Aragón, uh, and we're talking about uh, three different conservation areas. We have Serña de Cuenca Natural Park, Alto Tajo Nature Park, where we are right now, and uh, Montes Universales. So. Uh, this initiative uh, combines a very unique uh, uh, landscape features. We, this is a place where it's it, um, it born one of the biggest rivers in Spain, in the Tagus River, uh, and that makes all this watershed very, very important. It's one of the biggest uh, forests in Spain.
0: This Iberian Highlands rewilding landscape, and the wider region surrounding it, is known to some as Empty Spain. Human populations have been decreasing here for many years, reaching densities not dissimilar to those found in Siberia, less than two people per square kilometre. Traditional activities in the countryside, like livestock farming, are no longer economically viable and the living conditions out here are tough. For many people, the towns and cities soon became much more attractive places to live and work.
1: We are at uh, an altitude between 1,000 to 1,600 meters, and this is very, actually the coldest place in Spain. Uh, so in Molina de Algon, where, where I'm based right now, uh, last week we had minus 15, and that's a common thing to have in winter. Uh, so people don't want to live in these areas anymore.
0: I'm grateful it's not minus yeah. 15 today.
1: Yes, yes, you're uh, just for two weeks' time, eh? I'm yeah. telling you. Two weeks before,
0: we were minus 14 in the morning. I'm talking about 10 in the morning, eh? it's not like at night. Spain has focused most of its efforts in the protection of nature through the establishment of 16 national parks, the country's highest level of protection. Natural parks were later established as a lower protected area, where some natural extraction is allowed to take place within their boundaries. Pablo tells me the focus of the past was more in line with traditional conservation, protecting what was left. Now in the last
1: 10 years, 15 years, is more and more people say, well, Maybe we should look back and bring back animals that they were here before, not just try to keep what we have and be a bit more ambitious, not just focusing on the national park, just focus on restoration of other areas that have different level of protections. So uh, I think that there's a good uh, trend now with rewilding. People are seeing more and more the need for rewilding uh, because it provides you ecosystem services, but also because it's a source, potentially, of business. Uh, and these areas, especially rural areas, uh, they have not been able to attract people to come here to live. And uh, nature is a potential economic uh, movement and people are saying, that, well, that's probably a good option.
0: And there's a big difference, isn't there, between kind of protection and restoration. So yeah, whilst the focus on the past is perhaps yeah. been protection, it's important to move across to that, that other definition.
1: Definitely, definitely. It's something that, especially in Europe, hasn't been integrated into conservation. If you talk about conservation in Africa, for example, you don't talk about rewarding because it's integrated into conservation. If there's, no, if there's
0: no more lions, you bring them back. That's it. Spain is one of Europe's most biodiverse countries. Sitting between the Atlantic Ocean and Mediterranean Sea, it hosts four of the nine biogeographic regions of the EU. Atlantic, Alpine, Mediterranean and Macronesian, which allows for a rich mix of fauna and flora and a high level of endemic species. It has 20 million less people than the UK, where I'm from, spread out over a land area more than double its size. With all this seemingly good news, why does it need rewilding? When you look at these
1: areas, you see, it's, uh, yeah, compared to other areas in Europe, it's very wild. I mean, but the reality is when you start looking at the details, you see that in the, in the, in the traffic chain, there's still some, some levels that are lost. So, for example, in this area, you see this area, you have a lot of uh, deer, roe deer, fall deer, but you don't see big herbivores anymore. So, now you see all these forests, they're g- getting very much dense, a lot of biomass, and uh, when there's a fire, there's a huge wildfire. So, you see there's a lack of big herbivores, and that's one of the things that we are trying to do, is to restore that by bringing big herbivores using uh, horses or using... Uh, Tauros or other big animals that can help us to do that. That's, that's one of the things. But also when you look around, you see, well, there's no predators. So there, there was lynx here, there were wolves, there were other animals that are not here. So there is a need, because to control all this population of uh, deer and for deer, you need somebody to regulate that. Uh, if you look around, for example, and you see a lot of griffon vultures around. There's, a lot, there's plenty, one of the biggest population in Europe of Glyphon vultures, but there's no black vultures anymore there's no bearded boulders anymore. So we are looking at restoring all these uh, animals
0: and and there is a big potential, yeah. It's exciting to think that because the Iberian highlands has so much natural habitat left intact, they can focus right away on species reintroductions to help crank the ecosystem engine into top gear again. Of the three protected areas which make up a large part of this rewilding landscape, 60 to 70% are owned by local municipalities. So basically we're working
1: more with the the public owners and basically what we are doing and there's been a lot of work done in the last two years to discuss with the municipalities and and to show them what are the benefits of of their wilding Uh, and we already have some deals
0: with municipalities where we have for example grazing rights. Hunting, timber and grazing rights are the three uses of natural resources allowed within natural parks. These activities may sound extractive to begin with But interestingly, they are actually allowing a route in for restoration. As a public resource, grazing rights go to tender. As it's not been economically viable for many individuals to take this on recently, Rewilding Spain is able to get the contracts, pay an annual fee to the municipality, and they then return the important ecological function of natural grazing to the forest, through the introduction of large herbivores. Basically what we started already with three municipalities
1: is to do that and they have seen already the benefit because the moment that we bring animals we contract people, we contract what we call head managers uh, that are taking care of the animals, looking after the fencing and, and that already brings one family back into the town.
0: Despite the income from grazing rights slowing down as people left the region the municipalities do still make money from timber extraction but this is another area where, funds permitting, these activities can be made to work for nature and people too.
1: We are looking at potentially do uh, some reserves of old-growth forests uh, and by, by doing that we could potentially compensate these municipalities and tell them, look, you are going to cut this old-growth forest because you need the money for the timber. So, okay, how much cost, how much money you would you get for this timber? Okay, that's we monetize it, okay, so then we're going to compensate you and we make a reserve here, that forest is not going to be cut anymore. And that's gonna give money to the municipality and that's gonna create a reserve for biodiversity and also an area where people can be proud because they are protecting their forest and they can come with their families and enjoy. it.
0: Whilst empty Spain has allowed nature to survive at a higher rate than anywhere else in the country, communities still exist here and they're really struggling. If rewilding can bring new opportunities for people and improve life in these rural settlements, then everybody wins.
1: The only way that people is going to support and is going to be positive and rewarding is that it brings socioeconomic benefit. And that means having a school open, having a bar, having activities. People have been seeing in the last 20 years how their towns are getting empty and how they are struggling to get a doctor in winter. How they are struggling because now they have to move their kids to a school that is 50 kilometers away every day. So we need to create benefits for the people. Uh, and by bringing back people, by right, reactivating the economy of these areas, people are going to see a benefit. And people appreciate very much when they see new initiatives, when they see new movements of people. They, when you, uh, and tell you, I came back here with my wife and my kid. He's two years old, and people were very happy. I'm moving to a small town next year. Uh, it's, they have in the school only uh, seven kids. The full school. Yeah, that's from three years to 11 years. And uh, seven is the limit. If one kid leaves the school, they have to close the school. So by me coming to this village with a kid, they are so happy. Now they have two extra kids, so they are not in danger to close the school, you know. Now
0: that's a good headline. Rewilding saves closing school. Yes, it's just one extra family for now. But when you're working with such depleted populations of people, Every new arrival makes a huge difference. With more job opportunities in rewilding, potentially more families will come, leading to more resilient communities that truly value their natural surroundings. Whilst Iberian Highlands was only launched in 2022, they've seemingly had a lot of success quickly. And that doesn't always happen when it comes to nature restoration. An extensive study allowed Rewilding Europe to secure a large grant from the Endangered Landscapes programme to kickstart the process. This was followed by further funding from Nature Cartier and Rewilding Europe themselves to help get the restoration work started. Key collaborations with local partners on the ground, Terra Naturalis and Associacion Micarrida has ensured that the process really hits the ground running. It seems obvious, but get the money into the right hands and we can soon start turning nature loss around. It's that simple. So thanks
1: to that things are moving very, very quickly. And I think that we, we are taking uh, advantage of this dynamic to keep pushing very quickly uh, because we want the people to see things happening uh, as soon as possible because it's not promises anymore. Uh, and that's what people want to see, people want to see things happening.
0: I've no doubt that the 850,000 hectares of Iberian highlands is going to be a big win for nature. But there's also a huge opportunity for further landscape scale initiatives in this nature rich country.
1: So what we are doing already from the, the while in Spain is having contact with other organizations in, the, in other places in Spain that wants to do the same. The, 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 the moment they saw the launch of, of uh, Iberian Highlands in October, a lot of them contact us and say, Wow, we want that for here. Um, so we are already exploring possibilities to scale up in other areas
0: in Spain. Whilst the Iberian Highlands are faring well for nature, as Pablo said, there's some key players missing in the trophic structure. Most notably, Apex Predators. I'm meeting Marina Monaco now, the rewilding officer for the initiative, to find out why, and what might be done to bring some back.
2: The Iberian wolf was completely eradicated at the beginning of the 20th century uh, for the hunting pressure. It was a big enemy. Then the Iberian lynx also disappeared in the last century when the rabbit population crashed due to various introduced uh, diseases, and no sighting have been recorded in the recent past. And then in the Iberian chain was the last place in the Mediterranean uh, Spain where the brown bear became extinct in the 19th century.
0: For one of these species in particular, their comeback across Iberia has been one of the most inspiring stories of conservation success in recent times. Back in 2002, there were just 94 Iberian lynx left in the wild. By 2020, that figure had reached 1,111 a more than 10-fold increase in less than 20 years. This incredible turnaround was made possible by a dedicated partnership of 21 organisations, coordinated by Junta de Andalusia and funded by four consecutive rounds of EU life funding. A captive breeding for release programme was established at several centres across Spain and Portugal to reinforce the wild individuals left. To safeguard the species, it's said that the total number of animals still needs to be trebled by 2040. So whilst the lynx hasn't reached the Iberian highlands landscape yet, further reintroductions are very much on the cards.
2: We are planning to do an experimental release in, uh, in a little bit south from here, in the Serrania de Cuenca, to evaluate to, to evaluate the response of the species in the area because the rabbit um, population is not very high. and And see, and if that, successful, and we see that the animals adapt and adapt to eating other uh, like um, yeah, other species, like small species. And so then we will, we will see if, if we can look for other areas and, and bring more
0: lynx. Whilst Iberian lynx largely prey on wild rabbits, they will also eat ducks, young deer and partridges. If they can do well here, then it's an extra stepping stone for improved connectivity For a species very recently on the brink of extinction, Iberian lynx are one thing, but wolves create a suite of different issues for those that farm alongside them. Positively, though, a subsidy system exists in Spain that not only pays out compensation if a wolf takes some of your livestock, but proactively supplements the income of those farming in areas where wolves exist. This subtle shift in emphasis towards a prepayment model creates a more positive relationship between wolf and farmer. You may never encounter any issues at all, but you'll still get paid. I think that's a very forward-thinking policy for farming more holistically with nature. Scavengers are as equally important as apex predators in a fully functioning ecosystem. The vultures I spent time with this morning are another key species the team are hoping to reinforce.
2: The thing is that black vulture selects breeding areas and prefers the nests to nest in in, you know, in in continuous and slightly fragmented forest, far from population, far from noise and, and communication routes. Um, so for this reason, this species can be very important and it's a good indicator of environment quality as well as, as an umbrella species. We can say that in Spain in general, it's one of the places in Europe in, within Europe that is, it's been well preserved. So it's, you know, it's like a kind of iconic species.
0: Over 2,500 breeding pairs reside in the country, which makes for 90% of the European population. Go Spain! And their plans for restoring scavengers don't stop there. They'll soon be looking at the exceptionally cool bearded vulture too. No carcass will go to waste.
2: We are working for boosting natural recolonization through a specific feeding while we are working to obtain other individuals from the Pyrenees, for example, for translocation and then reintroduce them here as we are doing for the black vulture uh, through acclimatisation and, and release. So yeah, also there are plans to bring to the species, well they are already here, but just to help them to, to establish.
0: Translocation, in this context, literally means moving animals from one place to another with the aim to restore depleted populations by introducing healthy individuals from elsewhere. The translocation of scavengers, like bearded and cinereous vultures, to the Iberian highlands will improve the ecological role of nutrient recycling and reduce the spread of disease. They've suffered from persecution, habitat loss, lead poisoning and a reduction in large carcasses in the landscape. The return of large herbivores in the form of semi-wild cattle and horses will not only provide some sustenance for vultures, but will hopefully reduce the risk of devastating forest fires, like which occurred in 2005.
2: The origin was a barbecue that some hikers uh, neglected in a picnic area. and yeah, and the fire finished with 15,000 hectares, uh, affecting mostly pine, oak, like the, the forest we've got here, eh? black juniper forest. Uh, part of, of that fire also affected the, the natural park of Alto Tajo with about 2,400 uh, burned areas, uh, hectares. And, and the most terrible thing that even 11 firefighters lost um, their life by trying to extinguish the, the fire. So natural grazing with large herbivores are doing you know, a great job of clearing these scraps, uh, removing the excess of vegetation which contributes to fuel in case of, of fire. And I think that's what happened with, with that fire we were talking. So with this natural grazing, the recovery also of burned areas it's, it's quicker and it's, and it's more diverse and, and rich in terms of biodiversity because it creates more heterogeneous areas, more open areas, and then it, it changed and it, it increased the composition and the structure of the, of the vegetation present in the area. So it's, it's positive.
0: Herds of tauros, semi-wild cattle that are being backbred from ancient breeds to emulate the now extinct European bovine, the aurochs, and serrano horses, a very old breed local to the region, are being utilised to provide a missing part of natural grazing. Whilst deer and ibex remain, they eat in a different way, selectively nibbling the most succulent vegetation, whereas the larger herbivores take bigger, more general clumps of everything. They add dynamism to forest recovery, remove excessively dry ground vegetation to keep fires at bay and keep patches of open ground amongst the forest canopy. In the arid areas, they improve grassland conditions for a variety of steppe species, like dupont's lark, black-bellied sand grouse, and both little and great bustard, star species that photographic hides could potentially be set up for, making a valuable contribution to ecotourism businesses in the area, like they do in the west of Spain. I'm leaving the forest now to join up with Lidia Balberne, the communications officer at Rewilding Spain. We're meeting up now with Jose Jimenez, a local business owner who's making his living from nature tourism. I'm keen to hear why people come to the area to experience wild Spain and what rewilding might do for businesses like his. We meet up in a small town called Peralejos de las Truchas. The griffin vultures are still following me about, and clouded yellow butterflies dance around in the afternoon sunshine, their wings so bright they look like they've been dipped in limoncello. I always think butterflies look like they're flying under the influence though, so perhaps they have been. Jose is 58, but he's not like many of the 58 year olds I know. He tells me he trains for his nature and mountain guiding by hiking 25 kilometers every day. He wears a bandana, has a pierced ear, and says everything with a grin. I try not to stand too close to him as he makes me look very uncool. Lydia is translating for us. The company was created in
3: 2015. And we are focused in nature tourism and we are pioneers in inclusive nature tourism. So we try to put nature in value and to make uh, nature accessible to every kind of person. So they are specialized in customizing nature experiences and uh, in offering these nature experiences also to disabled people, which is a real challenge but this is something that they feel very connected to, uh, providing the opportunity to people to enjoy nature um, in a context that is not usually available for them.
0: Jose tells me that two blind ladies once came to him and asked him to be their guide. They were so impressed with the experience that they told him they felt deceived by previous experiences before him. He's qualified to guide mountaineering for the visually impaired, And has also taken blind customers outside the region to listen to the howls of wolves. After all, he says, they're almost more beautiful to hear than to see. His company, Sentir el Alto Tajo, translates as to feel Alto Tajo, which I think is just a little bit lovely. We should all feel nature a lot more, whatever our situation. Mm, Mis clientes, sobre todo, vienen de España. Vale,
3: Eh, ahora. Most of our customers come from Spain, are Spanish people, Uh, but uh, we have also uh, received people from Germany, Italy, Mm. uh, United Kingdom, and what people look for here is having this particular and personal connection with nature in silence. Uh, This is one of the, maybe the features of this landscape that is so unpopulated that it's very easy to go somewhere without finding any other person. So it is very easy to connect, to have that personal connection uh, with nature in silence and feeling all the sounds coming from birds, from the trees,
1: Es importantísimo vivirlo en directo, conectar con el todo, sentir.
3: It's essential uh, for us as human beings to uh, be able to have that personal and direct connection with nature. Um, it's you cannot compare that personal experience when you hear an eagle crying above your head or where you touch the ground, or with the smells that come from the forests, uh, it's a connection with the whole. And it's like uh, realizing in a completely different way that you are part of that whole. So it's very important that every day more and more people can feel that connection, because with that connection, um, in that connection is, like, uh, is what will save mankind.
0: I liked Jose before he started speaking, but I like him even better now. His poetic words perfectly describe our need for a healthy relationship with the wild. We could do with a lot more Jose's in the world. His passion for the wild is infectious, and that's so important for getting people fired up to save what we've lost. There's plenty of wildlife to enjoy still in the Iberian highlands though, and this is one of the factors drawing people in. Una cosa es la estrella y es lo que pregunta la gente.
3: I would uh, differentiate between star species and the popular species. In terms of the most popular species, people who are not so specialised in nature and in animals and biodiversity, uh, what they look for are golden eagles, um, the Gryphon vulture, uh, of course, black vultures that are difficult to, to find here, as well as the Egyptian vulture and the birded vulture. We are fortunate because we have the four Spanish kind of vultures in the area, but only griffon vulture has a stable population. And uh, another species that is very, very uh, popular is the otter. Uh, otters need very clean waters to live and it's uh, a precious moment when you can find one of them and, and see them just in the rivers. The star species here are uh, no doubt the wild cat, very, very difficult to see, and the Iberian desman.
0: The Iberian what now? Never heard of it? Don't worry, neither had I. But this is what I adore about nature. There's almost an infinite number of wonders to discover. And this one's so wonderful that I'm going to suggest you pause the podcast Take a few moments to Google it and come back so we can celebrate together. Don't worry, I'll wait. Now, wasn't that worth it? If you weren't able to pause and Google it, behold my Shakespearean description. It looks like the tiny love child of an elephant, a shrew and a mole. I bet you're Googling it now. But more importantly than that, it acts like a canary in a coal mine for water quality. It needs very pure waters to survive. And as rivers have become increasingly polluted over time, its range has retracted. But whether you're here for the Desmonds or the mountains, Jose isn't phased, as long as you care. The emphasis on guests here is quality over quantity. Mm, no, it's more than, it
3: what we need to bring here is uh, our people who feel who, who can feel connected to nature who understand the value of all this heritage and that can also feel involved in the need of uh, protecting and saving all this heritage from disappearance and uh, from that point of view, we think that uh, the initiatives like the Rewilding Spain one is very helpful for us because it provides us with a context to um, wrap the kind of things that we are offering to people that come here. So we can explain that nature can bring that value and the recovery of nature uh, is also is helpful, not only for nature
0: itself, but also for people. With an increasing amount of environmentally aware travellers, large rewilding initiatives like Iberian Highlands and companies like Jose's can offer immersive and meaningful journeys whilst also giving something back. Rewilding Europe Travel is a relatively new UK-based company incubated by Rewilding Europe, working to provide small groups with incredible and insightful experiences in Europe's nature-rich landscapes. The team at Rewilding Spain have helped connect them with Jose whose company will now act as ground agents for their international travellers.
3: They are really enthusiastic about the idea because they were really willing to reach international people, customers, but they really didn't know how to do that. So with this partnership with Rewilding Europe Travel, the connection is done. Uh, they now they don't need to think about how to make those in connections with international uh, customers uh, because Rewilding Europe Travel is going to take charge of, of that part. So for them, uh, for Centinela Totajo Company, it's like a giant uh, step in the uh, in the plans for future. So um, they are really really enthusiastic about
0: what future will bring. One of the issues Jose hopes this new relationship will help overcome is the seasonality of visitors coming here. The small town we met Jose in looked almost deserted when we arrived, with many of the houses empty and their shutters closed. Apparently, just 70 people are resident throughout the winter months, but in the summer, up to 2,000 can descend. That's not sustainable for business, infrastructure, or healthy communities. <laughs> So, the challenge uh, for the touristic sector
3: here in the area is to find a way uh, to make tourism not something not seasonal, but something that uh, just flows throughout the year. And uh, nature tourism could provide an opportunity to make that possible.
0: I'm here in March, and I'm absolutely loving it. And if I love it, then I'm sure others would too. In fact, as a wildlife guide myself, I'm certain of it I've already taken a handful of business cards from Jose to distribute to my contacts back home the wildlife has been amazing the hikes have been spectacular and unsurprisingly the food and wine have been superb too and whilst Pablo scared me a little when he mentioned minus 14 degrees for the most part the weather has been perfectly pleasant we've been eating outside in the early spring sun and as someone more acclimatised to weather in the Scottish Highlands I'm not melting in the summer heat either We are fully
3: convinced that rewilding and the the initiative of rewilding Spain in this landscape is crucial for us for the future because it's going to to have a very relevant role in creating awareness amongst people to understand that this is something that we have to do all together um, so we can all together again feel part of the whole and, uh, and have a future. Of course, things have to be done in the right way. Um, and uh, we as a company want to uh, be part of that, of that movement. But yes, for sure, we think that rewilding is, a, is an answer uh, for providing people with opportunities to come back, uh, to stay and to uh, make these Villages and towns just have a new life ahead.
0: My time in the Iberian Highlands has been an inspiring visit. I've seen habitat connectivity like never before and heard stories of wildlife returning at pace. It's wonderful to think of those seven cinerous vultures soaring in the skies, above recently reintroduced Iberian lynx prowling in the habitat below. And that habitat is now more resilient to wildfire events, thanks to the increasing amount of natural grazers working the land. But if one thing's hit home more than anything, it's that nature and people can thrive together. We aren't two separate entities, we're entwined, interconnected, and it's high time we recognise that. If we look after nature, nature will look after us. I love the thought that schools in rural towns like Pablo's will no longer be at risk from closing, thanks to the sons and daughters of rewilders, herd managers and wildlife guides alike. A generation of children growing up alongside each other, knowing that the nature-loving parents enabled them to have friends their own age and an education on their doorstep. That's surely one way to grow a healthy respect for the environment within the next generation. As an outsider, I'm not sure if I should, but thanks to Jose, I now also have my own personal vision for the Iberian highlands. And that's one where my new favourite mammal, the Iberian Desmond, is recovering and spreading once more through a network of crystal clear river systems no longer polluted by humans. Because after all, what's good for the Desmond is good for us. Thanks for joining me for episode three of the Rewild podcast. I hope you enjoyed discovering the delights of the Iberian highlands. Stick it on your list to visit. You won't be disappointed. Many thanks to Pablo, Marina and Jose for their contributions. To Lydia for translating so well. And to Kempes for allowing me a glimpse into the lives of those fantastic, cinerous vultures. The music was by Andrew O'Donnell of Beluga Lagoon. And the artwork was created by Gemma Shooter. The biggest of thanks goes to Rewilding Europe for collaborating with me on this series. This is an organization making rewilding happen through positive action on the ground. Next month, I'll be exploring the Mediterranean wetlands of the Camargue with Tour du Valais in France. Do join us then. Catch you next time.